A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Ten, the Zone. Here we use a lot of F-words. Food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Let's try on fabulous for the weather that we enjoyed over the weekend and will continue to enjoy this week. Happy Halloween, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Absolutely glorious weather coming our way for most of this week. Sunshine today in 65. Sunshine tomorrow, 70 degrees. Wednesday, sunshine in 71. Thursday, partly sunny and 70 degrees. Then by the time we get to Friday, we've got a good 70% chance of rain in the forecast. We'll find out what Stumacher Ag Meteorologist has to say about that forecast. He joins us in about 15 minutes. I hope that all of you are planning on making sure that you're involved in the vote. About a week from tomorrow, your opportunity to get involved in midterm elections. And it's not just about individual representation. It's also about ballot issues like funding. Did you know that your emergency responders, to a large extent, are basically bona fide volunteers? Compensation is difficult to come by when it comes to those rural responders. Talking about it this morning with Alan DeYoung, Executive Director of the Wisconsin EMS Association. He'll explain what you may not know on those folks you rely on in rural communities in case of emergency. Stick around. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Momentum. I'll tell you, it can make a big difference whether it comes to moving a tractor or even moving policy. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And, you know, for uh, the dairy industry, it feels like we're actually starting to build a little momentum to address a big topic that everybody in the dairy industry has been talking about, Bob. Federal milk orders, boy, they just, we learned it during the pandemic, they just do not fit our dairy models, our dairy business today. They certainly do not, not the way they are structured, very important. They've been around, of course, since the 1930s, and it's been a system that has been taken to task, so to speak, by many in the dairy industry. Bob Bosold here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And that's one of the reasons the American Farm Bureau Federation hosted a meeting of the dairy industry in Kansas City about two weeks ago to talk about federal milk marketing orders and other things that need to be tweaked or fixed in dairy pricing. And we talked to one of the members that was there, Jim Sleeper, longtime member of the dairy industry, now retired, but a consultant with the National Milk Producers Federation, who was at that meeting. And he told us the idea is to change, not eliminate, federal milk marketing orders. Uh, we at National Milk strongly support the federal milk marketing order program. The program is a key in fair market-based farm pricing, and we realize and recognize the importance of federal orders for dairy farmers throughout the many, many years that they have uh, been with us. 
So it's our view that because we haven't seen many changes in the Federal Order Program, especially since the year 2000, the program is so important to the dairy producer community, we just need to look at modernizing, and that's the key term that we have been using. We're not looking at an overhaul um, by any means the imagination. What we are doing is taking a comprehensive look at the program through National Milk Economists that I'm working with, as well as the Economic Policy Committee, to make sure that we modernize the federal order to meet the current uh, changes that have occurred within the dairy industry, Bob. And we know the changes have been uh, many over the last few years, but the federal milk marketing orders haven't come along. Federal milk marketing orders, as you well know, Jim, don't cover all the milk. Uh, they're not all that transparent. So how do we start? And uh, whose attention do we have to get? Because the dairy industry knows changes are needed. Yes, you're absolutely correct. That uh, you know, It's a complex system to begin with. Uh, they've been with us for many, many years, uh, haven't changed, as I indicated earlier, um, the last several years. The last time we saw federal order reform was the year in 2000. But let me go back to the Kansas City meeting specifically. I applaud the American Farm Bureau Federation for hosting this particular meeting because it was a meeting in which uh, the collaboration efforts are occurring. And when I say collaboration efforts, well, everybody was involved uh in terms of uh, we had dairy processors, we had many dairy farmers, which I was absolutely delighted to see. We had USDA personnel, we had academia, we had uh, just a whole host of various stakeholders. And I think that's where it really needs to start out. National Milk has also been working on this particular task force that I'm leading since January. And we've held dozens of meetings with some of the dairy economists uh, especially within the co-op ranks, where we're doing a deep dive, looking at those uh, provisions within the federal order that need to be modernized. And I'm sure the next question you're going to be asking, well, what are some of the areas that we're working on? Well, we're taking a look at uh, Class 1 pricing, Class 2, Class 3, and Class 4 pricing specifically, looking at maybe modifying uh, the Class 1 mover, which is a controversial topic right now. So we're looking at a whole host and a variety of different areas that we believe need to be modernized. And I think that's what we really need to do as well is educate individuals of how the federal order works and what areas we all need to work collectively together. That gets me back to the American Farm Bureau collaborative effort that they held in Kansas City. Jim, as we look at all these efforts to modernize federal milk marketing orders. We've known it's needed change and modernization for a long, long time. Were there any specific proposals that came out of this meeting in Kansas City? Because if you can get the dairy industry united, because around the country it's a whole lot different industry. It's not like selling corn or soybeans. Do we have any specific proposals we can work on or just an agreement that some modernization needs to happen? Well, I think there's uh, things going on in two levels. One is a meeting like we had in Kansas City where we can all agree on the major tenets that we need to work on. When I say the major tenets, well, I'm talking about uh, continuing the Federal Order Program itself, continuing uh, the various price surveys and so forth that are occurring within the Federal Order that determine 
you know, the milk prices for dairy farmers as well as the class prices for processors. But, yes, uh, National Milk, as I mentioned, has been working on some specific proposals. We talked about those in detail in Kansas City. I don't think the time permits for us to get into, uh, you know, the extreme details on them. But as an example, and as I indicated, uh, one of the proposals National Milk is going to be carrying forward to its board of directors meeting, which will be finalizing these particular proposals here at its annual meeting in Denver next week, would be the Class 1 mover, where we're very much supportive of going back and reverting back to the higher of. We're also looking at, as an example, requiring USDA, giving them the authorization of doing plant cost studies to ensure we uh, have the make allowances. I know it's getting into some complexities here and so forth, trying to articulate them uh, through this uh, media. But trying to change those make allowances on a more frequent basis because they have not been updated in 15 years. Again, National Milk is working into several other proposals that we're looking at. We're looking at extending some of the reporting dates of non-fat dry milk, dry whey products. And anyway, we're looking to better met the entire federal order program, but we're really putting the emphasis because I am working on behalf of National Milk, looking at it from the producer point of view, making sure that uh, uh, the things we're working on will assist dairy farmers as well as the entire industry. And let me stress that. Are we going to get something done? I can't imagine it can be done by a 2023 farm bill. That has to be done over and above that. More meetings? Are we going to involve the Congress? Uh, what about USDA? How do we go forward with changing, fed, updating federal milk marketing orders, Jim? Oh, that's a great question, Bob. So we're looking at primarily going to the USDA asking for a national federal order hearing. I say primarily because there will be a couple different things where we will need congressional action through the Farm Bill. As an example, I indicated requiring giving authorization for USDA to conduct these plant cost studies would be one of those. But more importantly, through the efforts of National Milk in modernizing federal orders, we're looking at specific provisions of the federal order that need to be modernized. In doing so, we're asking for a federal order national, let me emphasize the word national, federal order process to do so. In our discussions, we have had USDA personnel, including the director of Dairy Division, who's been involved in many of our discussions to assist us in understanding how we might modernize some of these provisions in a more productive manner. And when it's all said and done, we're looking at a national federal order hearing. We would expect we would petition for one of the hearings uh, sometime yet late this year, or probably more likely during the first quarter of 2023. Do you think enough entities in the dairy industry and farm groups have come together now where maybe they wouldn't have a few years ago? Change needs to happen? Uh, yes, absolutely. I think part of it is we all have recognized for the last 20, 22 years since reform that we need to update some of the various aspects of the federal order to modernize it to today's ever-changing dairy industry. But more importantly, during the pandemic period, some of these areas were really highlighted. Uh, deep pulling would be one of them. The higher of class one mover, as I indicated. So I think some of these 
areas that have been highlighted since the pandemic has really caused uh, the various stakeholders of the industry to finally sit down and start working through these areas and collaborating with one another. Some big hills still to climb, but at least the process might be underway. We'll find out and keep following this. Jim Sleeper with us with the National Milk Producers Federation. Jim, thanks for the update. You bet. Thank you for this opportunity. And we I'm very excited. I really think we're going to be successful in this endeavor, especially working with the individual national milk uh, entities, the economists, the board of directors, and so forth, to ensure we do, in fact, modernize the federal order for the betterment of all within the dairy industry. Something definitely needed. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Some people say that at Wiffle's Hybrids, we march to the beat of our own drum. But we don't mind that one bit. Because of staying independent and U.S. farm family owned and focusing on corn and corn alone makes us different than other seed corn companies, well, we just don't know any other way to march. So make your choice and plant your independence. Plant Wiffle's. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Oh, my goodness. What a gorgeous weekend around the state of Wisconsin. And I'm thinking that a lot of that weather is going to persist this week. Let's find out. Time for a Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stumach, Ag Meteorologist, along with us. Yeah, we uh, finally got to... uh, the soybeans this weekend, I know, remember, folks, my farm's north of Green Bay. And, uh, man, is the dust ever flying? Oh, the dust is thick, the air is dry, and, Pam, there's really not much to slow us down, at least as we get this week underway. But, you know, we always need a deadline, because if it wasn't for the last minute, we'd never get anything done. Let's talk about late Thursday on into Friday, when some rain chance most likely will spread through Wisconsin. So... 
Until that, we've got some good days in store. I think we've got we're dealing with a little uh, misty fogginess, uh, Oshkosh North up in the Fox Valley, up toward Green Bay. There appears to be a little light rain over Lake Michigan. There was some light rain in far southeast Wisconsin. And I do see Racine had seven hundredths of an inch, Elkhorn three hundredths of an inch. So it really just bright, just kind of brushed that southeast corner of the state. Otherwise, I really do expect a pretty dry day to be in store. Low pressure is gliding by far southeast Wisconsin. Overall, we're going to stay dry, enjoy some sunshine, and really pretty fine temperatures. Today's highs, I expect to be somewhere like 12 degrees above normal and warming up a bit more on toward Tuesday and Wednesday. Very mild air in store and very dry conditions, not overly breezy either, so we don't get a lot of that brisk feeling or the chilliness, if you will. So it really does sound very nice as we get this week well underway. And like I mentioned, not until later Thursday or on toward Friday will a chance of showers slide our way. So we'll enjoy a pretty good handful of days, at least this first three, three and a half days. They sound fantastic. Hope you can take advantage. I'll have forecast details right after this. It's inevitable. If you're involved with farming, there's always a risk for injury or worse. That's why the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance are teaming up to bring a video safety series through the month of October called Rooted in Farm Safety. Each week, a new video will be released focusing on how you can be safer on the farm. Be sure to visit MidwestFarmReport.com or Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook for the full videos. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFinn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. All righty, Stu, give me the glorious details on what we've got to look forward to this week. All right, let's see. Mostly sunny skies today. A little patchy fog, especially eastern Wisconsin. Boston may see a little bit early on. Otherwise, I really do expect a mostly sunny day. Not too bad. In fact, mid-60s or so, 66, 67, probably the warmest we'll see in the southern part of the state. The winds will become northwest a bit later at about 5. We stay clear overnight and fall back just into the upper 30s, maybe a 40 here or there. West winds at 5. Sunny skies Tuesday, very upper 60s. I'll say a 70 at La Crosse with the southwest winds at 5. And there's Wednesday with sunny skies, very low 70s almost everywhere with the south winds at 5 to 15. A few more clouds on Thursday, Pam, and be ready Thursday, late day evening. That rain chance may appear. All right. Well, we'll we've got plenty to get done before we get to Thursday, but thanks for the update today, Stu. 
All right, take care. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag weather update on a Halloween Monday. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. Go ahead, let me know how the harvest is coming along. What are you doing with uh, all your leaves? The talk text line is available to you. Toll free, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. You know, when you pick up the phone and dial 911, you just assume somebody is going to be there? Well, don't assume that, especially in rural communities. Talking about that with the Executive Director of Wisconsin's EMS Association. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. At Dairyland Seed, we're all about showing you the yield. And when it comes to our line of forages, we also bring the quality. In 2021 university trials, Dairyland Seed Silage racked up 272 top five finishes for tons per acre, milk per ton, and milk per acre, while our Hybroforce 4400 alfalfa delivered a 6.3% average yield advantage over the competition. And 2022 is proving more of the same. Get the latest updates on this year's performance results at DairylandSeed.com. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank your local independent bank. We're the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop, that's your brakes crying for help. 
At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Sweeta Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweet metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Experienced electricians, come join our team. Here's Dan, a commercial journeyman forever ready electric. Family company, they take care of people, they take care of their workers. There's a lot of benefits to working forever ready, including the fact that when you work on your education, they do reimburse you for that time. They're very good about sick time and very good about family. Competitive wages, great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net. For all your electrical needs, we are Ever Ready. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Pac-12 Commissioner says fans are, quote, not in favor of the USC-UCLA move. Who says this? The Pac-12 Commission. No kidding. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Question for you guys, who is in favor of this? Besides the Big Ten getting more say, money, the Big uh, Ten, Mark and USC, eyes on the TV. UCLA, are yeah. Big Ten fans in favor of this move? As we are Big Ten fans, yeah. Are you guys? I'm going to go and say I think a lot of Big Ten fans are indifferent. Yeah, I mean, do you care that USC and UCLA are coming in for your own personal viewing of college football? Mm, besides, maybe you have to stay up late for a couple games, or that's fine. I don't care. It's fine with me. <laughs> I'm pretty, I the 11 I'm pretty indifferent. Like I'm, I'm indifferent. On paper, yeah. you get why the Big Ten is doing it, right? Yeah. They're making money. a ton more money. They're getting into all three of the biggest markets in the United States. It makes a lot of sense from the Big Ten perspective. Let's see here. I bet all of the the Big Ten schools are happy. I bet USC and UCLA are happy because they're all going to be making more money. But as a fan, do you do you no, really care that I, much? I don't. I, I welcome it. During a Pac-12 basketball media day, the Pac-12 commissioner said he's spoken to more than 100 people connected to both programs, UCLA and USC, including players and coaches, and the consensus has been against the move to the Big Ten. Quote, I think saying hundreds would be an exaggeration. Dozens, more than 100, and I have yet to talk to anyone. And the UCLA and USC community who's in favor of the move, I will say that I probably hear from folks who are not in favor and I'm not surprised by it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, right now, uh, with this move, the Big Ten adds another top ten market and you're in five of the top ten in the United States. New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, surprisingly number four. Mm. Didn't see that coming. And then coming in at number nine, uh, DC Metro, Metro booming. Uh, it's I, right there. You're you're putting in markets 
that are going to have the Big Ten network built in. You're on terrestrial TV with your plan moving forward. Nobody has to really pay extra uh, for, you know, NBC, CBS, and Fox. The Big Ten is going to have the most eyes on it week in, week out, because whether people like it or not. They got the stranglehold on the markets. You do not have to pay extra to see Big Ten football moving forward. You don't have to have extended basic cable to get ESPN now. So on your big four, week in, week out, you're going to have the big noon kickoff. You're going to have the CBS 230 game, and you're going to have the NBC night games. Let's also not forget that uh, the Big Ten still has the Big Ten network, which was the first network that was put together. Because now you see all the ACC networks, the SEC networks, and you can go right on down the line. Pretty much every single conference now has their own network for the most part, especially for the Power Five. Seven of the top 15, because Minneapolis is 14 and Detroit is 15, by the way. There it is. But I would say that the Big Ten, the first one to do it, obviously still has the most lucrative deal. Mm-hmm. And so I I may get the ACC, the SEC, and all those different networks. I, when I go to the Big Ten network, I can still find, like, volleyball, yeah. wrestling, all these hockey, like, random sports for, like, the other networks. It's literally just like football. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, shout out to Wisconsin Volleyball the other night, taking down Nebraska, the number one team in the country. Swept them. Swept. Not just take them down. Now, now, I can't say that I go surfing those channels looking for, like, SEC Volleyball or whatever. No. But just going around, you know, surfing the channels, I hardly ever see those channels had anything but college football and, and then, maybe some college basketball. Right. And, on then they, and then, or they replay the games like all the time. And I know the big 10 network does that too, but those other networks, they replay the full game. Uh, big 10 network breaks it down to like football the, in 60. So you get like an hour to condense a whole game into and take all the nonsense plays. Get all yeah. the good ones. But you have to say that the, the big 10, they might not have the best conference when it comes to talent. And football teams like yeah. the SEC, yeah, really but they they really kick everyone's ass when it comes to media relations, lucrative deals, yeah. and kind of the ins and outs of every market. Like they've dominated it. So uh, let's see here. J. A. Krebs, good morning, Jordan. Tweets at me. He says the Pac-12 should be begging the Big Ten to fully merge all schools into the Big Ten. I mean, that's where it's kind of headed, right? There's two super conferences. So, probably, yeah. but like it's I, not going to happen for a while. But right. that's and, where it's headed. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Boy, it's going to be another beautiful day today for all the trick-and-treating that's supposed to be going on. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Yeah, partly sunny skies today is 65 or expected high. Tomorrow's sunshine and 70 degrees. Wednesday, we'll top out with sunshine and 71 degrees. We do have a chance of uh, rain in the forecast starting on Friday. So glad you're along with us. Hey, stick around. If you live in the rural community, I bet you've become very accustomed to picking up the phone and dialing 911 when you need assistance. Well, guess what? Those emergency responders that are out in our rural community are largely going unpaid. We're talking about the situation with Alan DeYoung, Executive Director of the Wisconsin EMS Association, about some of the critical issues that may be decided in your local community during next week's midterm elections. Stick around for that. 
All right, so today is the 31st day of October. On this day in 1968, the Milwaukee Bucks won their very first game. They claimed victory over the Detroit Pistons, 134-118 to during a game in the Milwaukee Arena. It's a good thing, too, because the Bucks were 0-5 at the time on this day back in 1968. On this day in 2011, they call it the Day of 7 Billion. That is when the world's official population reached 7 billion on approximately October 31st, 2011. The United Nations Population Fund designated as Day of 7 Billion. Happy birthday today to Ice Ice Baby. Vanilla Ice is 55 years young. And now you know. Well, we're going to be keeping an eye on the markets for sure on this Monday. Of course, over the weekend, it was announced that Russia is going to discontinue allowing grain shipments to come out of the Black Sea. That means that a lot of the grain, a lot of the inputs the world needs coming out of the Ukraine have been stopped again. Markets are sharply higher in overnight electronic trade for the grain, but not necessarily the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You know, when we talk about the harvest being as advanced as it is right now here in the United States, transportation becomes a very tricky issue, whether it's taking it across the Black Sea or moving grain from coast to coast. Jim Kofer is the organic grain trading specialist with the DeLong Company, and he said they continue to struggle with just trying to move grain from one area of the country to the next. In those situations, that's where we obviously have to talk to our customers and our users and come up with solutions. Do we look at buying grain closer to them from on-farm locations such as Ohio or New York and shipping it there direct by truck so we can continue to meet their demand? Or uh, do we just have delayed shipments here and if that's something the customer can handle? It's something we're going to be living with, not just on the rail strikes, but honestly, just the whole delivery system with rail cars alone has been more complicated this year. Just longer transit times, cars that used to get to Pennsylvania and back would take up two to three weeks, now take take every bit of five to six weeks. That's Jim Kofer. He is the organic grain trader for the DeLong Company. He said many people say, well, why don't you just truck it? But he said today, finding drivers to haul that grain is just as challenging as some of the issues being faced with regard to a rail strike or low water levels on the Mississippi River. Speaking of markets, as I said, sharply higher in overnight electronic trade. Numbers are coming your way next. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. So the big news this morning as far as the grain trade is concerned is the announcement that Moscow has suspended its participation in the Black Sea deal between Russia and the Ukraine. They made the announcement on Saturday. They said that there was an unprovoked attack from a Ukrainian drone on some of the fleet that was anchored in the Black Sea owned by Russia. Now, Ukraine says that this is part of their propaganda 
that it never happened. But the bottom line is markets are substantially higher this morning with that announcement. How high will it go? Nobody's sure right now. Wheat in particular is pushing the upward limit right now. December corn in Chicago is up 18 cents right now at 6.98 and three quarters. March corn up 17 cents at 7.03 and a half. November soybeans are up nine and a quarter, currently at 13.97. January beans are up 11 and a quarter at 14.11 and a half. December wheat's up 48 and a quarter at 8.77 and a half. March wheat's up 47 at 8.96. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese was unchanged at 192.5. 40-pound block cheese was unchanged at 196. Double-A butter dropped a half a cent on Friday to 314 a pound. Fluid milk for November is up 14 cents, 2035 a hundredweight. December's up 33 cents at 1914 a hundredweight. You know, the situation between Russia and the Ukraine is impacting more than just grain movement. It also potentially is impacting the fertilizers that you're going to have available to you in the growing season of 2023. Dr. Al Mussel is with the Agri-Food Economic System out of Ontario, Canada. And he said right now, people have to realize what's at risk in Western Europe. The front line on this really is Western Europe, Germany, it's France. Those Western European countries, they are in a bad way. And I don't know as North Americans if we sense just exactly what they are going to have to contend with. But before the Nord Stream gas lines were blown, they had an energy crisis on their hands. You're going to have short crops next year because the fertilizer just isn't there. Dr. Al Mussel, he is with the Agri-Food Economic System out of Ontario, Canada. He says this shortage of fertilizer is not something new. He said we've basically been short on nitrogen fertilizers since 2017. And the bottom line is there's not enough nitrogen fertilizer to go around. Never enough money to go around. Isn't that the way it always seems? Next week's your opportunity to go to the polls and vote. I hope all of you will take that responsibility seriously. One item you may see pop up on your local referendum is financial support for emergency responders. I'm not just talking about rural communities. I'm talking about all communities. Talking about that next with Alan DeYoung from the Wisconsin EMS Association. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. When it comes to jewelry appraisals, get to know your Denny's jeweler. There's a number of different reasons a person will do appraisals. We just say bring in everything. It's so fun because it's like when somebody brings that stuff in and they're all excited, then they start thinking about it and where it came from, which is priceless. I'm Pete Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. 
there's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Alan DeYoung is with the EMS Association. Now, those are the folks in the rural communities that you uh, rely on in case of an emergency. And I'm not just talking about agriculture. I'm talking about anybody that's in the rural community. Alan, tell me a little bit about what the EMS Association is. Yeah, the Wisconsin EMS Association, we've founded in 1973. So we've been around nearly 50 years representing EMS providers uh, across the state. Majority of our members are rural services mm -hmm. that are mostly volunteer. Mm -hmm. Our state relies on uh, mostly volunteers all across. About 79% of departments in Wisconsin um, rely on volunteers, and we represent them. We provide benefits, we provide education, mm -hmm. and we provide advocacy to you know help them have a voice in the capital. You got any idea in number how many EMS groups we're talking about out there? Well, the state has about 750 EMS departments. We represent about half of all of those departments in the state. So we have a pretty significant voice. Yeah. And anything we can do um, to help them better help their communities more yeah. is what why we exist. Now, help people understand. I, I maybe know more about the services that EMS is providing, especially in our rural communities. But give them some examples that might light a fire on them, Alan. Well, besides just looking at, you know, volunteerism is kind of declining yeah. across the country. I mean, we have people struggling to, you know, find individuals to work fast food. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to find somebody to work for free and go to school and become licensed in our state to do right. that. Um, so we're, you know, we're facing a lot of challenges right now, not only looking at moving kind of from this volunteer model to being able to pay people. Yeah. And, and that's important to be able to attract the new generation of EMS providers. Right. Now, you shared with me some interesting statistics, I guess, mm -hmm. on even in rural communities. You pick up that phone, you dial 911. That's mm -hmm. hooking you directly, basically, to your EMS services. Mm -hmm. But remind people, EMS versus that ambulance or whatever that's coming out. There might be uh, some confusion. Those first responders, those EMS folks, are the ones that could, in many cases, be the life-or-death shot callers. Yeah, most of our communities rely on what's called EMR, emergency medical responders, yeah. to respond to the scene quicker than the ambulance can get there. So we these first responder groups, they don't have funding. They don't have reimbursements. They don't have um, additional grant funding. They're normally not eligible, but they're a crucial part of our community as they're the first responders on scene. They're there to pretty much help um, stabilize yeah. and, and be ready for when the ambulance gets there. And so we want to be able to 
figure out a way to help all these communities with their first responder groups uh, that exist across Wisconsin. And as far as efficacy on that response time, you were mentioning that even in rural areas, the response time, because of that, I think I'll say volunteerism, that community spirit is pretty good. Yeah, the, the response time of EMR groups is, is normally pretty quick, anywhere from, you know, five all, all the way up to maybe 15 minutes when the, the ambulance that's following could be anywhere from 19 minutes all the way up to 35, 45 yeah. minutes before someone even gets to the scene. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about transport time to the hospital, where close some of the closest hospitals are a half an hour, yeah. 45 minutes out. And so you're talking two hours on just a call that, you know, minutes count. So let's talk more about the challenges that the EMS services across the state are facing. The reason I'm talking to Alan is some communities may have referendum items that are going to give you a chance to uh, voice your thoughts or be engaged in the process. And you said that really the referendums are getting down to just key components. Yeah, so the challenges we're facing right now is really staffing. We have a huge generation that is retiring. So not not only as an aging population as a society, but we are also having an aging population of EMS providers. And then second to that, uh, because we've relied on volunteerism for so long, funding measures haven't been there. They haven't been in place. Most people assume their tax money is going to EMS. That is not the case in most areas. And I've seen where some budgets are two grand a year, 10 grand a year in some of the very rural areas, you can't rely on them to provide that level of service on the tiniest budget possible. And so these are the kind of the main challenges of staffing and finding people to be able to do this day to day, as well as finding a way to fund them and meaning pay them. We should be able to pay mm-hmm. somebody for saving your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably the main two challenges that we're facing right now. How much education is required? You mentioned uh, about kind of different gradients of certification and things mm-hmm. like that. Walk me through, help my rural community understand the educational requirements uh, and where you see that all going. So right, right now, like the lowest uh, level that you can get in at is an emergency medical responder at EMR that takes about a couple months to complete and done through the technical colleges, all the way up to a paramedic, which that you're talking about two years, uh, quite a bit more expensive to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen even some paramedics still only making 15 bucks an hour after they've spent thousands on getting this education and getting licensed. So although some of it might seem like it's fairly quick to do on the EMR side, we're talking we, we, we need to fulfill a huge group that is retiring. So we need a ton of people to get into this. Is it just people? What about facilities? What about technology? I mean, I hear about some of the new, I'll call them gadgets because I don't know what else to call them, that assist our emergency responders on scene. And again, we're talking to an agriculture audience, which brings about a complicated rescue in some regards. So definitely technology is changing, but with that is the cost of that technology. Um, So if you're looking at um, a assisted device like a Lucas device is one of the most common used for basically performing CPR for long periods of time. People don't realize how hard it is to to do CPR and, and, and to do that for extended periods of time. So in rural areas, those devices are critical, but they're not cheap. And so sometimes they have to decide, do I buy this piece of equipment and not maybe buy some pediatric equipment because we just don't have the funding to do so. And, and we try our fundraisers, we try our pancake breakfasts mm-hmm. and spaghetti dinners, but that's not enough mm-hmm. to, 
to run a service and we can't depend on donations and fundraisers, there's got to be some level of funding there. Right. Ellen DeYoung, along with us, the executive director of the EMS service. Again, these are the folks in rural communities and all communities that are first on the scene to try to help you, your family, uh, in many cases when life is on the line. So uh, going forward then, Alan, let's talk a little bit about what you're hoping will get done through the midterm elections, through the referendum. Uh, What would be the ideal way to start off 2023 from your perspective? I think the ideal way is really having a focus on EMS and finding a baseline funding measure on a state level. Because rural communities, although they can go to referendum, they, you can't keep taxing your base. You may not even have a base to tax. Yeah. Um, many of these communities just don't have that. So some areas, referendums will work in the kind of the short term. But if we're trying to see a wide scale statewide, we need a base level of funding for all departments across and, and that funding is not going to be cheap because we've never had it. Yeah. We've relied on this volunteerism. We've relied on the fundraisers. We need to now look to the state to say we need money as a yeah, base for every community. Let's get a plug in for people that are interested in learning more about not just the, the issues you're facing, but also that staffing situation. You've got an interesting conference that's coming up in Green Bay, fun part of February, that might help open eyes. I'm thinking maybe county board members, village presidents or townspeople like that, and especially young people. Yep. So our our Wisconsin EMS Association Conference and Expo is going to be in February 1st through the 4th, 2023. Uh, Our goal with the conference is to provide this critical education, this hands-on training for EMS providers across the state. They have to relicense every couple of years. And so with that, they need proper training. They need to keep up on their skills. In addition to that, we're hoping to engage the high school communities across Wisconsin to learn a little bit more about EMS, see if it's something they might be interested in doing, and learn some skills while they're there. Again, February 1st through the 4th at the Rush Center in Green Bay. If you've got a young person that might be service-minded that way, looking at uh, a way to stay in the community and really serve the community in a different way, think about registering them. And like I said, if you're on a county board, if you're in on the village board, this is the kind of group that you need to know more about. You'll have that opportunity February 1st through the 4th at the Rest Center in Green Bay. Alan DeYoung along with us, Executive Director of the EMS Association. You can find out more at wisconsinems.com. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning along with John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.